good morning everybody you guys hear me okay test one two test one two hello hello I got no green light so I might need a battery for this thing test one two how about giving me some power on the stand-up mic, one of you young men? Test one, two. All right, there we go. Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me, please, to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. In our text this morning, we're going to look at just a couple of verses from Acts chapter 16. And we're going to talk about something together from the Word of God that I think we always need to hear. And I don't think we can uh, be reminded of it enough, which is uh, just simply trusting God when it doesn't make sense. So let me ask you a question. Does your life always make sense? Well, then you're a good company because my life doesn't always make sense either. So we definitely need to hear this this morning. So let's pray together. Father, we love you, and we're grateful for your goodness towards us and your kindness. God, we have sang it this morning. We are so grateful that our sin, our sin debt has been paid, and it's been fully paid. Your wrath has been absorbed by our Savior, Christ. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his death. We thank you for his resurrection. We thank you for his ascension. And we thank you for his return. And we long for that. God, we pray that as we come to this moment in time, as we look at the scriptures together this morning, that God, you speak to our hearts. Father, we pray, God, that you help it make sense to us. And Father, even though this may be a very familiar passage to many, Lord, we do pray that because we are familiar with it, that that doesn't hinder us from learning what you would have us to learn or seeing what you would have us to see. So we pray for your spirit's illumination this morning. We pray for your spirit's work in our heart this morning. God, we pray for your spirit's work to help us apply in the power of your spirit and by your grace, Lord, we need to not just be hearers, but also doers. And so, God, that's our prayer. We thank you for this Lord's Day. We thank you for this text we're about to read. And, God, we thank you in advance for the work that you're going to do. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, as we return to the book of Acts together this morning, I want to remind you that we are in the early stages of Paul's second missionary journey. It's really fairly new. If you remember, not only is the journey new for him, but so is his team. This team is newly assembled. This missionary team is made up of Paul, obviously, but also it's made up of Silas. And the last time that we were in the Word together, we saw Paul uh, bring a young man along with them in the faith by the name of Timothy. So this is an early journey with a young team, so to speak. They haven't had a lot of experience or mission work together and they're just journeying along telling people about Christ strengthening the local church advancing the kingdom of God and I was thinking Pastor Eric about 
Hudson Taylor this morning and his famous quote, advance, advance, advance. Because when you see the when you see the Apostle Paul, that's what you see him do. He advances, advances, and advances the gospel. And that's what he's doing again in our text. Now, in all that, there's an interesting thing that unfolds, and it's this. The advancement of the kingdom did not go the way that Paul initially thought it was going to go. He ran into a moment, like I've mentioned already, when things don't make sense. If you've never been there in your life, let me tell you, you will. You'll get to that point where things just don't make sense. And the best illustration I could give is it's like driving through a thick fog. When we lived on Canal Point and we would drive from Canal Point over to uh, Southern Boulevard for whatever reason, because of the way those canals run, that was the pure foggiest road on the face of the planet in the mornings. You could not see. You focused on the white line, you focused on the yellow lines, and that's all you focused on. Life gets like that sometimes. It just doesn't make sense. If you have been there, or maybe you're there now, you're in good company. That's where Paul was. That's where his team was. I want you to think about this. You're going to have to trust God in your life when, humanly speaking, things don't make sense. Let's read the verses and let's see if you can pick up on what I'm talking about. Acts 16, look with me, beginning in verse 6. The Bible says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So... Passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I want you to focus with me in verse 6. I don't know if you noticed it, but when we read through it, did you see it? Did you see what I'm talking about? There was a moment in Paul's life. There was a moment in Timothy's life. There was a moment in Silas's life. There were a moment in this missionary team. And we read it later in the verses where Luke joins them, the writer of the book of Acts, when he says, we... Right? So this new team, there was a moment where they ran up to, or came into rather, where they wanted to do something, but it didn't go as planned. Let's look at it again. Once you get past the names that are difficult to pronounce, we kind of sometimes get caught up in those, but once you get past those names, they're just geographical places, just cities, regions that were under Roman rule. Once you get past that, I want you to notice what it says. Where does Paul want to go in verse 6? Where does he want to go in verse 6? 
he wants to go to Asia. Even though he wants to go to Asia, what happens? Well, he's forbidden. He can't. That word forbidden means to hinder or to prevent or to restrain. And then the, nat the next natural question is, okay, so they want to go there, but they're not able to go. What prevented them? What hindered them? What happened? And the text gives us all the answers. Notice what it says in verse 6. They were forbidden by who? The Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to think about this. Timo, this is a good desire. Paul wants to take the gospel to a region in Asia that he wants to plant a church in or he wants to strengthen believers in. In fact, if you know anything, the youth you guys are studying the book of Ephesians right now, do you know where he originally wants to go in Asia? Do you know what church is located in this region? Ephesus. That's where he wants to go. That's a good desire to take the gospel to a region. It's a good plan. He has a good team. Let's go do this. Let's go talk to people about Christ. Let's build them up in their faith. Let's plant churches. It's also a good opportunity. I want you to see that there's nothing sinful in his desire, is there? There's no false motive. There's no, no ulterior motive. There's no sin here. He's not doing anything wrong. It's a good plan. He has a good team. It's a good opportunity. It's something that he wants to do. He's free to move in this direction, isn't he? Pursuing God's will for his life. Pursuing God's will for ministry. But the Lord steps in through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and hinders him. Look with me at verse 7. Because it happens again. So they decide, okay, well, the Lord doesn't want us to go to Asia, so let's go to Demisia. And then when we get there, we're going to try to go to Bithynia. Now notice what happens. Where did they want to go? They wanted to go to Bithynia. What happens at the end of verse 7? What does it say? They were not allowed to go. What does that mean? It just simply means they were not permitted to go. And again, who, permit, who, who prevents them? Who does not permit them? It's the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. So when you look at verse 6, they want to go to Asia. When you look at verse 7, they want to go to Bithynia. And in both cases, again, even the second opportunity in verse 7 is a good opportunity. There's no sin involved. There's no ulterior motive involved. Paul's not trying to make his name great. He's just trying to preach the gospel. He's just wanting to make disciples it's a good opportunity. It's a good desire. He has a good plan. But the Holy Spirit redirects. We should probably park here for a minute, shouldn't we? We probably should. We should probably think about what's going on here for just a second. Let's think about what we don't see. We just talked about what we do see which is Paul's wanting to go certain places and the Holy Spirit redirects him. Let's talk about what we don't see. When the Holy Spirit redirects Paul or hinders or prevents or doesn't allow him to go to two different places that he genuinely desires to go to because there are people there that genuinely need to hear the gospel. Here's what we don't see. At no point do we see in the text Paul pout. 
He doesn't pout. He doesn't throw a grown-up temper tantrum. He doesn't pout. Not only that, but we don't see him whine. We don't see him whine. We don't see him pout. We don't see him whine. We don't see him grumble. And we don't see him complain. We don't see him do any of those things. So let's think about this for just a minute. How many times do we have a good plan? How many times do we have a good desire? How many times do we think, from our perspective, we have a good opportunity? And we're striving to follow God's will for our life. And things don't go the way that we plan or the way that we think or the way that we want. And our first reaction is to pout, complain, whine, or grumble. I thought about this this morning. There's a reason why Jesus called us sheep. It's a really fitting il illustration, is it not? It's a really fitting illustration. It's not a flattering illustration, but it's a fitting illustration. Amen. Think about this. How many times do we pray, Lord, guide my life? Lord, direct my steps. Lord, give me opportunity to be used by you. Lord, I just, I just want to be used by you. I'm here. I'm willing. I'm ready. I'm able. I'm equipped. Man, I'm here. Sign me up. I'm ready to go. And then it doesn't go as you planned. Amen or oh me or both. You've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I never thought I'd be teaching at OCA. And if I had more time, I'd tell you the story of how I got there. But it was through a lot of struggle, strain, fighting, resisting, crying, whining, and sinful, disobedient, reluctant, stiff-necked, and if you know me, you're like, amen, that's him, Lord. That be him. And I don't think I'm alone. Amen. I mean, that's what we pray. Like in our spirit, in our new man, we pray, Lord, I just want to be used by you. And then, God, have you ever noticed your plan doesn't always match God's plan? And he changes it and he alters it. And then our flesh has to wrestle with God, what God really has for us. It's interesting. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Pastor Eric read that. How many of you would honestly say that's your life verse? That might be the first. Other than John 3, 16, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 might be the most memorized verses in all the Bible, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. And we're like, Amen! And then He does it, and we're like, Oh, I don't like that. It's interesting. Proverbs 19.21 says that a man plans his steps, but it's the Lord's purpose or counsel that stands. Do we ever stop to see God's redirection as his guidance? You ever thought about that? That those interruptions to our plan are really God's unfolding plan? It's really his providential plan. It really is his plan for you and his plan 
for me. Rachel and I were talking about this this morning. And yeah, I'm going to go there. But you ever had to go to the store? And you came out of the store and you got to the house and you unloaded your groceries. And you're like, oops, I forgot the milk. Or I forgot the potatoes. Or I forgot whatever I need for supper. All right. What was your first response? Ugh. I got to go all the way back to Publix. You shout out, Billy, wherever you are, Publix. I got to go all the way back to town to Aldi. All the way to Walmart on a Sunday. Woo, Lord God help us all. You know what I mean? <laughs> Talk about getting sanctified. Go to the Walmart on a Sunday. Woo. And don't go the day before school. I'm just saying, man. Woo, that weekend before school is crazy. Anyways, I digress. Why is it that we respond, ugh, ugh, man, bleh. Instead of understanding that our days are God's, our time is God, our decisions really unfold. They're all guided by the Spirit of, of God. He's, he's helping us, and just maybe you're forgetting the cheese, or you're forgetting the milk, or you're forgetting the bubble gum that your kid, or how about this one, parents? The project that's due the next day at school. Can I get a witness? Can I get an amen, somebody? Y'all know what I'm talking about. How long you know about this project? Three weeks? Why are you just telling me about this now? <laughs> I gotta go get poster board. <laughs> maybe just maybe that forgetting is God ordaining a moment for you to share the gospel with somebody. Maybe that, maybe that no you got in your tire that we see as an inconvenience is an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. You see what I'm saying? And that's what's happening to Paul. Now look, we all have room to grow. We all have room to change. I want you to think about this. What do we see from Paul's life while waiting for the picture to become more clear? Paul's faithful. And I want you to miss that. Yes, he's being redirected. Yes, he's not pouting or complaining. Yes, he recognized it as God's unfolding plan, that God's in complete control of his life, God's in complete control of his days, that there is nothing happening to him outside of God's will. But while he's waiting, he's faithful. He's faithful. That's what's behind verse 6. Look at how it begins. Verse 6, there's faithfulness. And they went through these regions. What were they trying to do? Minister the gospel. The Holy Spirit says, no, stop sign. You can't go there. He goes, okay, well, then I'll go here. And the Holy Spirit says again, boom, no, stop sign. But I want you to see that in their willingness to go and in their trying to go and in their attempt to go, they are being faithful until it becomes more clear. What's our responsibility when it doesn't make sense? Just be faithful. See every opportunity as God's sovereign hand guiding and governing and unfolding his redemptive plan. The Second London Confession says this. I love the way this says, this says it. Nothing happens to anyone by chance or outside of God's providence. That means every redirection of our life. Every time something doesn't unfold the way we think it ought to, 
It's God in his great love and in his great compassion for us, redirecting and guiding and governing our lives. It's not an accident. It's not an accident. Now look with me at verse 8. Talking about faithfulness. They can't go to Bithynia, so they go to Mysia, and then they end up finding their way in Troas. You say, okay, what, why is all this significant? Like, what's really going on? I want you to understand what we're about to read. You ready? If you're zoning out, zone back in. I know it's hot, and I know you're probably sweating like me, but I want you to focus with me because God is getting ready to do something really, really awesome here. He's getting ready through the Apostle Paul and his ministry team to take the gospel to Europe for the first time. Isn't that awesome? This is what we're getting ready to read about. Troas, a city forgotten by time, but in Paul's day, it was an important place because it was a port city. A port city is where ships sell out of to carry cargo and goods, right? So, so this port city of Troas was a, was a place where Paul has found himself by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. This city of Troas, this port city, was a place where ships left from to go to Macedonia. Macedonia was in Europe. Isn't that cool? So let's let's retract. Let, I mean, let's backtrack. Let's retrace our steps. Let's think about this. Paul wants to go to Asia. The Spirit says no. He wants to go to Bithynia. The Spirit says no. It's not because God is mean. It's not because God is cruel. It's not because God is unkind. But it's because God has a plan. He is a missionary God. And he is at work saving his people. Pastor Jim sent a quote yesterday that said, if you take missions out of the Bible, all you're left with is a cover. Think about that. <laughs> you got nothing because God is a missionary God. And from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, it's all about our God on mission, saving his people. And so when we look at Acts 16, 6 through 10, what we're seeing is our God, a missionary God at work, getting ready to send Paul and his team for the very first time, the gospel is going to go to, to Europe. Look at verse 9. This is a very unique way that Paul gets direction from the Lord. I would say that this is descriptive, not prescriptive. This is Luke just describing what's happening, but this is not a normal way. But this is how God chose in his sovereign plan to show Paul where to go. Look at verse 9. He sees a vision. And he sees a vision of a man where? In Macedonia. And where did I tell you Macedonia was? In Europe. And he was standing there. And look at the text. Look what it says. He was urging him and saying. He was pleading with him. He was begging. He was earnestly pleading with every fiber of his being. Come over to Macedonia and help us. Pastor Eric, I thought about you, my brother. Let's go to everyone. Let's go to Mark chapter 9. Pastor Eric, what's in Mark chapter 9? It's a story you've been preaching through. 
Look at verse 22 when you find your way to... I'm in Luke. I need to get to Mark. Too excited. All right, Pastor Eric, back to you. What happens in Mark chapter 9? Remember that story you preached to us? Look at verse 22. The man whose son was possessed by a demon. It is often cast him into the fire, into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. You say, well, I don't understand why we're reading that. And what does that have to do with Acts 16? It has everything to do because in the original language, it's the same word that's used. It is a deep need that needs to be met. It's an urgent cry for help. The best way that I can explain it to you is if you saw someone drowning in a pool or in the lake or in a canal and they saw you and they cried out to you, Bill, help me, help me. There's an urgency there. That's how that man was crying out to Jesus. Now go back to Acts 16. In this vision, with everything we learned from Eric last week, that's the kind of pleading and urgent cry that's there. There is a desperation that's there. Listen, not to be saved from demonic activity per se, but to be saved from their sin. He's crying out, come over and share the gospel. Come over and share the gospel. Come over and talk to me about the Lord. I need to hear about Christ. Come help us. I wonder this morning, when we go back to the forgotten cheese or the forgotten milk, if maybe, just maybe, that's a God-ordained moment that he has for us to share the gospel with someone who's in that kind of need. I wonder this morning, I wonder, I just wonder this morning, when you go to work tomorrow, do you see your workplace as a Macedonia? Where there's a guy that's there that's saying, come over to my work, come over to the job tomorrow and help me tell me about Jesus. Kids, I wonder tomorrow when you go to school, if you see your classmates and your schoolmates, not as a hindrance, not as a bother, or my goodness, not as annoying. And we're not thinking about popularity clicks, but we're just simply looking at our classmates and our schoolmates and our school, whether it's the high schools or the middle schools or a private school or a whatever even homeschool, that there's an urgency there that someone is saying, come over and help me. I need to hear about King Jesus. But so many times we're not like Paul and we're not listening. We're not sensitive or we're whining or complaining or we're caught up in our feelings. Paul sets a good example for us here. Look at verse 10. I love verse 10. Mr. Bill. This ain't rocket science, my brother. It ain't. We make it so hard. Look at verse 10. Man, I think I, even I could have figured this one out, Eric, and I'm pretty dull. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately 
we, Luke's now with them, sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding. It means, it's kind of gives the picture that they put their heads together, so to speak, and they're like, Paul's like, hey, let me tell you what I just saw. Okay, hey, I think this is where we should go. All right, let's go, let's do that. That's kind of the idea that's, that's there. Concluding together that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Isn't that so cool? Now, now next week we'll move forward, but I just want to give you a preview, all right? Here's the preview. If you keep reading in Acts 16, I hope you do. He meets Lydia next, and Lydia comes to faith in Christ, and so does her household. And if you keep reading next, the Philippian jailer comes to faith in Christ, and so did his household. And what you have through God's redirecting Paul's life and his ministry team and all of the confusion and all of the stuff that didn't make sense from Paul's perspective made perfect sense in God's plan and God's perspective. Because what Paul did not know, God knew. He knew Lydia would be there at the water. He knew that he was going to open her heart. He knew the Philippian jailer was going to be there. He knew that there was an earthquake that was going to come. He knew that Paul and Silas were going to be singing. And he knew that people were going to come to faith in Christ because God saves his people. And he orchestrates it all through our circumstances. So many times we whine and complain. And because God was, excuse me, because Paul was faithful, he uses Paul in these brothers and sisters' life. It's really awesome. Let me give you a couple of points of application as we wrap up. Take home points. Number one, realize that your life is a part of God's unfolding redemptive plan. Your life is a part of God's unfolding redemptive plan. As Paul's life unfolded, it was part of God's plan. He directed Paul and he redirected Paul. Lydia comes to faith in Christ. The Philippian jailer comes to faith in Christ and the church is planted. Listen, you might be here today and you're not a Christian. You're not in the faith. But in God's great kindness towards you and in God's great love towards you and in God's great grace towards you, his unfolding plan for you this morning, whether you're listening online or you're sitting here in person, is for you to hear the gospel, to sing the gospel, to hear the fact that God took on flesh, that God, Christ is God. He took on flesh, that he lived the life that you couldn't live and he died the death that you deserve. He's your substitute. He's our substitute. And when he was on the cross, he fully absorbed the father's wrath and he drank every last drop of it. He left nothing undone. And if you will cry out to him in repentance and faith, you will find forgiveness for your sins. So whether you're in the faith or not in the faith this morning, you're here by God's design. Do you see your life like that? Do you see your life as part of God's unfolding redemptive plan? It's very important. You never know what's on the other end of what doesn't make sense in your life. You never know. 
until you walk through it by faith. And then it makes more sense day by day. Second, maintain a sensitive heart to the Spirit's leadership and guidance. Maintain a sensitive heart to the Spirit's leadership and guidance. I think that's what we see in Paul's life. And he really does model for us what it means to discern God's will. It's a great example. Maintain a sensitive heart to the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. This is why we're warned in 1 Thessalonians 5, do not quench the Spirit. We're warned in Ephesians 4, to not grieve the Spirit. We're warned in Hebrews 2, to not be hardened at our, in our heart by the deceitfulness of sin. In order to maintain a sensitive heart to the Spirit's guidance and a right understanding of what's going on around us, we need to use the means of grace. We need to spend time with the Lord every day and read the Word. Pastor Eric, I also thought about when we, when we always talk about means of grace, I think we always know, I need to read the Bible, I need to pray. We never read enough and we never pray enough. Amen? Like, that's just a given. <laughs> I've never met anybody that says, yeah, I'll pray all I can pray. No. We never pray enough. We never read enough. But we need to. And I think we know that. But one thing that I want you to think about this morning is the importance of confessing sin. That one of the ways that we maintain a soft heart before God is just simply by confessing sin. If you went back to Acts 3, way back when we looked at verses 19 through 20, there's an interesting phrase that Luke records about the confessing of sin. It's one of the apostles is preaching, Peter, and he urges the Jews to confess their sins. And one of the interesting things that he says is confess your sins so that times of refreshing may come. Isn't that interesting? If your walk is stale, perhaps the place to start is to get back in the word. If you're drifting in your walk, perhaps the place to start is to pray. If your walk is not where it ought to be, you're not as sensitive to the Lord's leadership in your life as you ought, then perhaps the place to start might be, Lord, show me what areas in my life are not, are not right that I need to confess so that times of refreshing may come. It's an interesting thing. When you confess sin, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when you genuinely really do business with God, I mean really, I'm not trying to be like all emotional and feeling and stuff, but you feel clean. There's a cleansing that, take, that takes place. It's interesting. Number three, and finally, we need to trust the Lord's leadership and guidance. That's the third application. Just trust the Lord's leadership and guidance. Just trust the Lord's leadership and guidance. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this Lord's Day, and we thank you for the time that we've had to be in the Word. We are so very grateful, Lord, for your Word. We need it more than we even realize we need it. But we need it. And we need your Spirit as well. And so, God, we pray right now in this moment as we're thinking and reflecting upon what we've read and heard, that our hearts will be soft before you. 
that our hearts will be open before you and our minds will receive and not push back against the word. And we will just simply say, Lord, here I am. I want to trust you. And I want to follow you. And I don't want to fret. And I don't want to worry. And I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to whine or complain. I want to see my life differently. That Christianity is not a spectator sport, but it's really about all of us advancing the kingdom together. God, help us to see that and embrace that. So, Father, as your people do business with you right now, God, as we get ready to sing, I pray. I pray, Lord, that you conform us to the image of Christ. And all these things we pray in your name. Amen. And I invite you to stand to your feet as we worship the Lord through a closing song.